We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Datable podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work or not. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating insider, if you will. On each episode, you'll hear commentary from my producer, Julie Kraftchik, and other surprise co-hosts. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. Let's get serious for this episode, yeah? Because I mean, we're serious in every episode, but this topic I think is something that we've been um, talking about for a little bit on other episodes, but we wanted to devote an entire episode to what we want to talk about today, which is mental health. When we think about mental health, what does it encompass? According to mentalhealth.gov, it includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, 
relate to others and make choices, a.k.a. dating. (laughs) Mental health is important at every stage of life from childhood and adolescence through adulthood. Many factors contribute to mental health problems, including biological factors, genes or brain chemistry, life experiences, trauma, abuse, family history, all that, you know. I, th- I feel like it's only in recent years we've really talked about mental health in this culture yeah, and sort of normalized this idea of mental health because, you know, back Very in the day, stigmatized. it was so stigmatized when I was a, when I was a child. You just don't, if someone's in therapy, you're like, oh my God, there's something really wrong with them, right? right? But now mental health is something, it's almost like going to the gym. If you go to the gym to work out your body, you should also go see a therapist to work out your mind. Yeah. So with that, <laughs> we have Jonathan Tramfam here. He is the founder of Reflect, which is a mental health platform that reimagines in-person therapy to be more accessible and effective. And Jonathan's been in San Francisco for seven years, originally from Texas. He's 37. He questioned if that was still mid-30s. I'm 37 <laughs> as well. And I question, I like to say I'm I'm mid-30s, you I know. Think, I think most people kill yeah. that. <laughs> like 38 is when you're like, okay, that's late 30s. But that 37, yeah, that one year difference. He is single and actively going on dates. You don't have to be quiet anymore, Jonathan. I love it. We've been talking this whole time and he's like giving he's like, me all yeah. these like visual cues. Like, yeah, nodding his head. <laughs> but now you can make a noise. I'm here. (laughs) Thanks for having me, guys. I think, like, I'm super excited to have you because I think mental health has definitely been having a moment lately. Especially, like, I think Reflect, all the other online um, therapy platforms, too, have just made it a lot more accessible. What we were kind of saying earlier is, like, historically, there's something wrong with you if you saw therapy, a therapist. But now it's so easy and it's so, like, more mainstream. So I think there's that side of it. And there's also like the recent suicides that have come from mm-hmm. a lot of um, yeah. celebrities that have kind of why we started um, reaching out to you and wanted to have this conversation. And, you know, suicide is a 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. I don't know what it is in other countries, but it's also up there. Yeah. And Australia, right? It was like Australia, very high. The highest male suicide rate is in Australia, wow, which is yeah. surprising for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But it just shows you that you never know what someone's going through. And even with the recent, you know, uh, suicides of like Kate Spade, Avicii, Anthony Bourdain, you didn't, nobody no. saw that side. And it just shows that you never know someone's journey. And it's okay now that we can talk about it and totally. how how to get past this journey not alone but with a third party's help right. right so jonathan what got you into this space i guess of of therapy but also making it accessible for others well that's a great question and i and first of all thank you for having me I think this is such <laughs> an important topic and i i think the conversation is long overdue so i'm glad yes. that we're having the conversation yes I'll come out and tell you that I am I'm not a clinician. I actually came to mental health very much as a client. I studied organizational psychology in college. I spent about a decade working in consulting, helping businesses grow, launch products, enter new markets, ran marketing for a startup in the fashion space. All that to say, a few years ago, I realized I was stressed and been stressed for a very long time. Thank you, Tiger Mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was actually my roommate who suggested therapy to me in the first place. Um, I think I was more, I thought I was in a funk. Now looking back, I realized I suffer from anxiety, but it was something that I didn't really talk about because, and I didn't really think it was different because everyone in my life was a type A overachiever. So it mm. didn't seem like it was that different. Yeah. And when she said, have you thought about therapy? I think my exact words were, hell no, I'm not crazy. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So I've come a very long way <laughs> from what we call pre-contemplative to actually being an advocate for therapy. And I think it goes back to your point around stigma and the idea that it's so hard to get help. And for me, it wasn't actually even the stigma. Once I got over the fact that I wanted to find a therapist, it was my six-month search for a therapist that added more stress to my life. Mm, I could see that. You're like, I'm trying to avoid stress, but I'm getting more stress. <laughs> that was what made me feel alone. Mm. And as I talked to more and more people, I realized this is a really big problem. 80% of people who have a mental health issue never find the right care. I totally believe that because yep. I don't even know where you go before your company. You might do a little Googling and you might ask around, but really that's where it ends. I like that you brought up stress as a major indicator for when you were like, I think I might need to seek help of some mm -hmm. sort. I was listening to this podcast called Unfuck Your Brain. She was basically saying like, people think if when you're stressed, that's a productive feeling. Mm -hmm. Like if you're stressed, then you're accomplishing something. Mm. If you're stressed, then you're, you're doing yourself a favor in a way and you should feel good about it. But she's like, stress is actually a mental health issue. When you have stress, you need to address it because it's actually very unproductive. Mm, so I, I thought that was really interesting to think about because people think mental health is like depression or mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts. It doesn't have to be that drastic even. So that's a good segue because I want to talk about like what are the differences because I think mm. there's one side of mental health that's new and trendy with therapy and meditation and all this stuff of like kind of optimizing your mental health. And then there's another side of just diagnosed illnesses. Can you kind of talk to that a little more? I think that's a great question. It's a great kind of nuance to the conversation because I think folks come to the topic of mental health with very different biases based off of maybe their own experience or what they grew up with. Um, and again, because I'm not a clinician, I don't want to get into the diagnosis. Okay. Um, I will say that the American Psychiatric Association publishes a guideline around mental health illnesses called the DSM, which outlines the criteria for various different diagnoses for um, different diseases like bipolar or schizophrenia. But I think mental health is a little more nuanced than that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think similarly with physical health, you know, I suffer from acid reflux and mm -hmm. my back is a little bit achy sometimes if I work out too much. It's because you're in your mid-30s. because I'm in my... <laughs> Thank you. Whew. But you wouldn't say that you're either healthy or you're unhealthy, right? right. There's not that same binary feeling. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea that, you know, I've seen some definitions of uh, mental health is the absence of mental illness. And I think that's really kind of overly simplistic because yeah. it really is a spectrum. Yep. Um, and I think about that. Um, and I think because it's seen as this binary, you're either you're either great and you're in control or you're crazy. Right. Which, by the way, that's what my old self three years ago thought. Me too. Right. So what would you say is like the difference then between like being diagnosed with clinical depression versus more situational depression? Yeah, I think it's it's so funny because we uh, as a society put so much value on label, right? Mm -hmm. Even the way that insurance thinks about mental health is you have to have a diagnosis code. Fun fact, guys, 60% of anxiety and depression share the same symptoms. And most hmm. of my friends have been misdiagnosed at many times. I mean, there are clear, again, through the DSM, reasons and criteria for different diseases. But for many of us, it's a journey in and out. Some mm -hmm. days, the mm. same thing may make me more anxious. Other days, it makes me less anxious. Yeah. Just like with, with high blood pressure, you have it some days, you don't have it other days, mm -hmm. depending on diet, depending on your environment. I think, you know, if it is a medical emergency, obviously, you should go and consult an expert. If it's something that's an urgent issue, you should go see a, the ER, go to a healthcare professional. Apart from very severe situations, in my opinion, it's very much a spectrum. We have partnerships with a bunch of medical providers across the Bay Area, and they say actually 70% of their patients present with mental health-related symptoms. Mm. But we think it's migraines. We think it's mm. tightness of chest. 
We think it's difficulty sleeping. Interesting. And so I think what's really hard about mental health is it's something that we're only starting to understand. Mm. And I think it's way behind physical health in our understanding of it. And so, you know, 30 years ago, you know, I used to do a lot of work in oncology and cancer. And 30 years ago, we said you have cancer. Now we say you have non-small cell lung cancer with an EGFR mutation. I think mental health is moving that direction. And so because people get misdiagnosed so much, whether or not you are diagnosed doesn't um, doesn't change the fact that you could still benefit from care. That's also um, an interesting point because Julie and I were just talking about how when you go go see a therapist, is it reactive or should it be proactive, right? And mm. mental health, a lot of times we think about you need like a compelling re- yeah. a compelling reason to go see a therapist. Like you're going through a heartbreak or yeah. you're you're having a hard time at work or transitioning. But sometimes you may not need a reason. It's just, it's a check in, so it's more preventative care. Well, I think if you had if you had parents or went to high school, that's a reason enough to go to therapy. Um, in all respects. In all respects. You know, and I, I always say this, you know, at Reflect, we say that you don't wait to have a heart attack to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Why do we wait to have a panic attack to go see a therapist? It's yep. so true. Um, and our vision is we want to be the gym for your soul in the sense that it is a place to go to before your cup is completely full. Because mm-hmm. I think this reactive nature of waiting till it's really bad, urgently looking for somebody, not finding the right care, spiraling out of control is something that I think so many of my friends experience because we wait till it's really, really bad. And many of our therapists say, you know, I, I would love to work with clients before it gets really bad because their cup is not full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can learn better coping skills. Yeah. You can learn how to process things in a different way. Um, because for me, therapy is really interesting because our minds are full of pathways we have laid out over time. And I imagine like a field. And you've walked on the same paths for so long on, a, on, on the field to get from point A to point B. That you forget that there are other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And so when you have space and it's not urgent and it's not reactive, you're able to examine thought patterns in a different way and work proactively with your therapist to be able to say, hey, how would I want to see the situation? How would I want to behave in this situation? What can I do to change and influence the future situation? So it's not like waiting until something bad happens, mm-hmm. but it's really about being your best self. But I do think like it is like sometimes a solution to a problem. So I do see why people... Like, I remember when I first reached out for therapy, it was after a bad breakup. Mm -hmm. So it definitely took, like, that time. Yes, I probably could have benefited from it years before, in theory. But sometimes it does take that, like, feeling of being depressed to actually seek out help. I think it comes from this myth or a misrepresentation of of therapy where people think therapy is like going to a fortune teller. Mm. They're going to give you all the life answers and give you direction on what to, what to do. And I remember when we first started having this conversation, Julie and I, because Julie's like, this is what therapy is like. And I never experienced it. She's like, it's not about giving you answers. Yeah. Because you kept being like, well, what, what are you learning? Yeah. Yeah. tools are you getting? Like, it's not like that. It's not like that. It's It's more just like, I almost feel like it's more one talking out everything that you've been holding in. Yes. Mm-hmm. So letting that out. And two is also getting to know yourself much totally. better on a much deeper level. That's in an unbiased yep. perspective, right? I dated this guy for a while before he told me he had depression issues and it came from, it was passed down from his family. Mm-hmm. And when we finally talked about it, it was so fascinating to me and enlightening to me because he's like, I treat it like getting a cold. It's like, I know the yep. symptoms of when I'm about to get depressed yep. and I know when I am in that deep depression, what that feels like. So in the future, I know exactly what to do mm. in, that, in that situation. It's not debilitating mm-hmm. at all because he knows how to cope with it. 
it. But I want to know, like, where do you think the stigma of mental health issues came from? Is it because back in the day, the people you knew who were in therapy had major issues? And, and that's, those are the only people that you thought were in therapy. You know, I think about this a lot and, and I think it comes back to the fact that, you know, there's this archetype and a mental model we have in our minds about crazy uncle Larry, mm. right? Or people that were sent to the asylum. Yeah. Um, and what's, when I was kind of doing some research for this conversation, I realized even the idea of being gay mm-hmm. was something that was still in the DSM, a disease state until 19, I think 86. Wow. Mm. Yeah. How far we've come in just our understanding of one specific thing that we used to think was really stigmatized. I think it comes from this fact of a disease where there's a lot of shame attached to it. And so we don't talk about it. Even though one in five Americans has a diagnosable mental health issue, even though half of Americans will experience a significant mental health issue in their lifetime, we still feel like when it happens to us, we're the only ones. Yeah. And that shame, you know, really feeds upon itself. You know, the, the really crappy thing about anxiety and depression is they actually have in their pathology, one of the symptoms is the idea of feeling alone. When you have anxiety or depression, you, you actually end up reclusing yourself and moving up and, and pulling away. And that pulling away actually causes for you to reinforce the feeling that you are alone because mm-hmm. there's no one yeah. else in that condition around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy yep. a little bit. Even, you know, they say that when you're stressed and when you're in that fight or flight mentality, your peripheral vision even narrows. So the idea of having optionality or having other things you can do to get out of this, it's, it's really hard. Even though it's so prevalent, even though 20% of Americans have a diagnosable mental health issue mm-hmm. and half of Americans will experience a significant mental health issue in their lifetime, we still feel alone. Yeah. So one of the things that caught our attention to have you as a guest was this post that you had put on LinkedIn that basically said, I truly believe that mental health is the crisis of our generation. The two high profile suicides this week, RIP Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, are yet more reminders that many of us suffer in silence. And those who are, quotes, successful are far from immune. I'm more committed than ever to the work Reflex is doing to improve access and end stigma. If you know someone who may need help, please be a resource and have uncomfortable conversations. And if you have questions on how, message me. The problem needs all of our help solving, which I think is so eloquent. So I wanted to read it. But why do you think that mental health is the crisis of our generation? That's a bold statement. Here's a crazy fact. The number one cause of disability in America today is depression. I think the reason why is because our mental health affects our physical health and our mental health affects who we see in the mirror. The reason it's a crisis is because if we're suffering in silence and we're not dealing with the root cause, we're just basically putting Band-Aid on top of Mm Band-Aid. You know, if you think about in the the dating situation, so much of our mental health affects how we, our own self-esteem, how we see ourselves, how we Mm -hmm. see our loved ones. And so you can be frustrated with the symptom of, oh, I'm not, dating sucks. Or this is difficult. But if you don't get to the root cause of what might be driving that, you're always going to be suffering. And it's going to be something that doesn't ever get better mm-hmm. until you deal with it. I do feel like dating fatigue, when people blame it on the apps or blame it on modern dating, yes. it stems from something much deeper than that. And sometimes it could just stem from something from your childhood. Yep. But that's what going to a therapist would help you uncover. It's not just like, oh, the apps suck. It's not that simple. Right. Which, both, by the way, the I do agree that the app not just dating apps, but also Facebook and Instagram and other apps have a huge effect mm, on our mental health. Absolutely. And that could be a total different podcast, but <laughs> that is really, I think one of the reasons it's become, it's come to such a heat right now mm-hmm. um, is because the information that our brains have to process on a daily basis is way more than mm. at any other point in time in human history. Well, I heard um, 
the millennial generation are the loneliest. Mm. And I think that's really compelling to hear too, because millennials are the most connected yes. generation in terms of digitally, right? Yeah. Everyone's mm-hmm. online, but also they're the most lonely because they feel most disconnected mm-hmm. from humanity. Totally. Yeah. Isn't that sad? It I mean, that's sad. really sad. So when you're saying suffering in silence, that's what this, this generation's doing. They're suffering in silence. And, and someone told me once that um, happiness is expectation minus reality. Mm. And I thought that was such an interesting frame because mm. no matter how good your reality is if what you see on social media yes. and the expectation of your life yeah. is better and yeah. so the idea that there's such a disconnect between what we're seeing what we should be doing yep. or what our life should be and this FOMO idea mm-hmm. versus what our real lives are I think that disconnect and that dissonance is really what exacerbates mental health so yeah. what are some other ways that you think that mental health plays into dating since this is obviously a dating podcast? So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think so much of how we see ourselves mm-hmm. and how we relate to other people comes very much to surface when we think about dating. Because a lot of dating is about your own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Yes, A lot of dating is about how you treat other people how you react to how people treat you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think about, you know, I'm still very much single. And for a long time, I had the story in my head that, you know, I'm just destined to be alone. Or oh. a story in my head that, oh, the dating scene sucks. We all have that narrative in our heads, right? You're not the only one. <laughs> and thank you for saying that, because I think when you feel it, you think you, you're the only you, one. You're the only one. Yeah. And you see everyone's relationship status on, on Facebook, yep. or you see these great wedding baby announcements. And again, you realize that I think all of us work on different parts of our relationship, even when we are in relationships. Yep. And I don't think mental health is something that's only when you're dating that's a problem. It's no. only when you're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. In fact, you know, we, we look at the reasons why people come to therapy and almost 70% of those who come to therapy cite relationship stress Interesting. or dating issues as reasons why they come to therapy. So mm. what are some of the top issues that yeah. they're like reporting? If you can disclose that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I can say in general, oftentimes it's, it's like you said, either it's a bad breakup mm-hmm. or it's frustration with not being in a relationship and, and the ebb and flows of kind of stop and starts of dating. Yeah. Right? The like, loneliness. The loneliness. Really. Mm-hmm. The getting to date three and someone ghosting or the, or the, you know, as life gets so busy, oftentimes what happens is um, someone might be ghosting because they had a really bad work issue. But on the receiving end, we look at that as a, oh, it's something about me. Yep. And it's really funny that I think um, I read this other article that said that 80% of people, when they're, in a, when they're dating someone who's not feeling, their person's not feeling it, they want the person to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I really like you as a friend, but I, I don't feel us moving forward. Yet when we're in the situation where we're feeling that way, 20% of us actually do, do have it. that conversation. Yeah. 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 20, I, that's pretty high. <laughs> Maybe 2%. I also remember like in my early 20s when I was like starting to date more, like having like major anxiety if I would like text someone and yeah. then I wouldn't hear back from them. And like some of that still exists today. I won't pretend like it's totally gone, but <laughs> I think like, some of it like just understanding yourself and like how do you cope with this like thinking of like okay well they may not be near their phone they may be like in work like different situations and kind of trying to like work through it more yeah with such a connected society today with 
your phone, right? Everything's online. Everything is on your phone. I feel like with modern dating, when I date one person, I'm actually dating two people. One is the person in real life, the <laughs> yes. person I actually mm-hmm. see. And the other person is the person that when they're not with me in real life. And I make up all these stories about their other life. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about like the times when they're not texting back, oh, they're probably on a date with someone else. Mm-hmm. Or they're like having some fabulous time right. at some like rooftop party. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know that, but I think that's a problem with with being so connected on the internet is that you assume that person is not thinking about you, yep. which drives you to feel lonelier. But I could definitely lonely. see how this plays into anxiety for yes. sure. Oh gosh. We are, they say ignorance is bliss for a reason. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I think the ability to think through these stories, what they might be doing. And I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you guys a story. I was dating this guy very early on in our relationship and we were um, out of town and we end up having a small fight that end up spiraling. And it, I realized it was because there were certain triggers that were going on that were triggering me to feel a certain way that then were triggering him to feel in a different way. And it ended up leading to a pretty big conflict. And I was very thankful that I was in therapy at the time where I could go in and talk to my therapist about this, unpack what were the reasons why and really understand, well, what was I doing that made me feel a certain way? And what was he doing that made me feel this way and and vice versa. And, And I think the awareness piece is so important when it comes to dating because you can really easily go down that mental pathway that you've kind of walked through 37 years of your life and say, oh, this is happening because he doesn't like me or mm-hmm. this is happening because yep. um, I'm not, um, no one wants to date me. Right, right. But by pausing a little bit and actually having a venue to process the things that are happening relatively real time and say, okay, what are the reasons why this might be happening? Mm-hmm, right. And how much of it is me and how much of it is his own issues? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually that's a really important delineation that we it don't is. make in our minds. It is. I think actually like that was definitely a turning point for myself when mm. you, when I started, well, I think part of it was like when I was in a relationship and really understood someone else's perspective and what they were going through. It's like, it's not all about you. Just because you're thinking yeah. one way, they're also oh, thinking a different so way. True. And there's also just like, they may not be in front of their phone right this minute. Like I things know. that are just so obvious, but it can really start to spiral unless you yeah. have that like kind of mental capacity to start thinking of the various situations. What I loved about therapy was this idea that I can process it and then I can sort of think about, okay, what would, how would I want to react the next yep. time it happens? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then sort of let's start to create new pathways in our brain. And practice those things so that when it happens again and someone doesn't text me or something doesn't happen and the, um, someone ghosts, you don't freak out and right. send 10 texts. You know, mm-hmm. ten, not that I was doing that. <laughs> sure, don't. <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm going to text later and a knock on the door. <laughs> He's uh, our next guest. <laughs> um, but I think that, that behavior, the insight plus the behavior change. Yeah. And I just, for me, that's why I'm so passionate about therapy is because it is this great sounding board to be able to process patterns that you might not even know you're, that are happening. Yep. And that awareness is the first like seed that then can lead to change that can actually help you become the person that you want to be, yeah. or at least deal with the ups and downs because mm-hmm. you can't control whether someone's going to call you back. Nope. You can't control whether someone actually ends up wanting to date you or not. But you can control how you react to that situation totally. and how much you internalize that versus how much do you recognize, feel, validate those feelings, and then um, take the lessons you need to take to move on. So this is a really important distinction for me when it comes to therapy is 
you know, one of the stigmas for like Asian cultures when it comes to therapy is that it's such a selfish thing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, why are you so focused mm. on yourself? You know, why, why are you going to pay someone just to talk about yourself? Mm-hmm. Okay. What I find so amazing about therapy is that once you start, you start taking the focus off of yourself and it helps you process how you treat others. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause mm-hmm. before then I would totally. always have this victim mentality. Why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. Why yep. am I feeling this yep. way? But yeah. then after therapy, you're like, wait, why do I treat others this way? And why do other people treat me this way? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it actually takes the focus off of yourself. Totally. And I think just like if you can like talk through it, have less anxiety and depression or always thinking of like worst case scenario, Yeah, you can actually start to think like, I remember my therapist saying this, like it's like if you're not like on the same page with some behavior that's happening with your partner, instead of just being like, okay, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. they're not acting the way I want to. First of all, they're not my reader they don't even know that you don't want them to act that way Mm -hmm. so it's like have a conversation with them let them know your needs and all of that and then if they keep doing it like have a conversation again yeah and then obviously they just keep disregarding you then that could get to the point that you're like is this the right fit but instead of just like blowing it off like from that very first time when you haven't even like had that communication yeah it's kind of like if you kind of can get the rest of your emotions in check, I think you can think clearer about like the longer picture. Yeah, there's this concept of thinking about it late, late, lately. And it's this term that I made up. <laughs> uh, take it for what it's worth. Um, but it's called, it's thoughtful agency. To your point, it really gives you power and agency to be able to understand the world differently mm. and also change your behavior mm-hmm. to recognize what can you do in a situation to actually influence the outcome. So yeah. you're not just the victim. Yep. There are more options you, than you think. Yes. There are more possible explanations than you think. Yep. Um, and so if this is something that starts to happen over and over again, you can actually start to change your behavior mm-hmm. or your mentality to be more resilient or to treat other people better. Yep. And I think that ultimately is very, is the opposite of selfish. It's actually yep. the most Absolutely. Um, thoughtful yeah. thing you can do yep. is being able to take ownership in how you treat other people and recognize that it's not, you know, there's multiple ways of seeing the world in the way you see it. I guess I'm, we're not trying to sell therapy on this episode. I think just focusing on your mental health is the most important thing that we, we want to promote here. And in or, and when you do that, dating becomes better, not because all of a sudden you're going to attract all these people and you're going to meet the love of your life right away. It's not that. Trust it's- me, you can start a therapy, you can start a, ther- <laughs> a mental health startup and still there's not the line out the door. <laughs> it's the way you're processing it. Yes. The way that you're not feeling anxious. Like I just had that, like the, like this happened this morning, this guy messaged me on Tinder and was like, Oh, like, do you want to meet up for like today? And I was like, sure, it sounds great. Gave him my number, and I like checked back and saw he unmatched me, which was really bizarre. But I think like my old self would have been oh like, what the heck? What mm-hmm. the heck? And then like maybe like thinking up stories, and I'm like, you know what? Like if he unmatched me, I'm like good for him. You know? Like, yeah, that's your like, issue. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's so it's, odd. It is odd, but that's I'm just saying. Like I think situation. it's an example. Of, like how <laughs> I might have like really like if I was not in a place that mm-hmm. like I could think more clearly and like also it's like a value of yourself. Then yeah, like you can just it could really go down a rabbit hole. It's just you could be depressed like, all day about could, it. You oh, I know. Really it start... could ruin your whole week, really. Right. But I think it's about like 
putting yourself, having an outer body experience. So when something like that does happen to you, you kind of like see yourself from another perspective yeah. and say like, it's not a big deal. You're like his yeah. loss. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. <laughs> what's, what's, what's really amazing is, you know, I, this is something that I only realized very recently. I think you made this point already, Julie, that like not everyone reacts to the same situation the same way. Yeah. And not mm-hmm. all of us even see the same situation the same way. Yeah. But for a long time, I was like, well, if I were him... I would do this. Yeah. Right. But you're not. Well, guess him. what? You're, guess what? <laughs> you're not. And I think that's a really important distinction because it makes us more empathetic and more open to the fact that maybe people don't have malicious intent, but yep. they're just doing the best they can with what totally. they got. Totally. I think this actually segues really nicely to this other side of mental health. So I've had close friends, I've dated people that have just like diagnosed clinical depression that has nothing to do with dating. That's just mm-hmm. comes in and out of their lives. That's just part of like, they've had this from very early ages. Yeah. If you're dating someone that is experiencing this, what are some ways that like you can like make it work with them? It's time to take a quick break so we can tell you about our current sponsor, Mod Clock. At Mod Clock, there's no such thing as an ordinary outfit. Crafted by a team of in-house designers, Mod Cloth's signature styles include hand-drawn prints, standout silhouettes, and an inclusive size range that celebrates all women. They offer a full range of sizes from extra extra small to 4X. Mod Cloth has tons of stylish outerwear that's sure to make an impression. You know, I've already started to put holiday parties on my calendar, so I went on modcloth.com and searched for dresses in the party and cocktail section. They had such an incredible variety. I'm currently debating between this glam pink velvet dress and this green lace dress. Seriously, so much to choose from. Whichever I end up picking, it'll be an outfit to remember. If you're also feeling festive, be sure to check out their holiday gift guide featuring unique finds and perfect prezzies for everyone on your list, yourself included. To get 15% off your purchase of $100 or more, go to M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H Dot com and enter the code DATABLE at checkout. Again, that's M-O-D-C-L-O-T-H dot com and enter the code DATABLE at checkout. The offer ends February 2nd, so make your purchase today. Now, back to the show. If you're dating someone that is experiencing this, what are some ways that like you can like make it work with them? I, I think the, you know, every situation is different. Yeah. So I don't want to give this advice to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and this should be taken on a case-by-case basis. Totally. Whether it's anxiety, depression, borderline, whatever the issue is, when you're some, when you're the loved one, we we all have a tendency to want to solve the problem. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's so much true in America. Oh, yes, and it's Sometimes so much true that now. Is not what's helping, and that's not what what's helpful. And even when uh, you know I was feeling anxious, I would have friends or loved ones or that would be like, just snap out of it. Yeah. Or you have a great life. Why can't you just, you know, you're great. Can't you just see that? And I think that what we want to hear in those situations is just that someone's there for us. Yes. And that they're supporting yes. us. And that there's space that they will be here for us. And I think that safety to be able to know that that person really can meet you where you're at is the best gift you can give someone that you love. Totally. When I went to couples counseling, that was my biggest takeaway was to validate your partner's feelings. Even if you don't agree with how they feel, you can't argue with that because that's how they feel. You're not them. Mm -hmm. So you've got to validate your partner. And I think also like respecting space, like you said, is a big one because it's like, Sometimes like you'd be like, I want to spend every minute with someone, but if they're in like a depressive state and they need their alone time, it's like, sometimes you're just like, 
I have to pull back a little and like give them what they need at this point. And sometimes that means that someone might not be in the space to be dating. Yeah. Right. What was great about that story you said earlier about the guy who was recognizing he has chronic depression and he knows the symptoms and he's dealing with it is I think we all are on our own journeys to understand our own selves. Mm hmm. And the things that we suffer, the things that trigger us, whatever that might be. And we can create space for somebody else and we can try to be there. They could also not be ready themselves. And so, yes, if you're the person in the situation, it's great to seek care and get help. And it can be everything from a mindfulness app to therapy to something more, to, you know, more serious help. But as the other person, you can be there Mm -hmm. and you can help as much as you can. But you also, I think it's really important to remember that this is their journey that they're going on mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Because I think when you love someone, there's also a tendency to say, I, I will be there and I can fix it. And if I if it doesn't work out, it's something I did. And I think separating that as well. So you want to create yes. space and, yeah. love, and love someone unconditionally, but also know if they're not ready and don't, don't have the space to be in a relationship, the best thing you can do is let them deal with themselves first. And then if it's meant to be, it'll come back. And I think you have to communicate that with your partner because Mm -hmm. with the guy I was dating, I wanted to know his process. He's like, you know, when I'm in that depressive state, I don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody for six days. He was like very specific. He's like six days, I'm not going to see you for six days. And I had to be okay with that, but at least we had that conversation. Yeah. And I didn't, you can't take it personally because right. that's what he needs to feel healthier. That's right. But with the, in the absence of information, you'll make up stories yeah, for right. six days. Here for someone for six days, yeah, God knows what would go through a really head. long time. But I think, yeah, I think the verbal confirmations, I've had this as well. It's like just being like, this has nothing to do with you. Like, this is like mm-hmm. me going through that is really like helpful to someone that is on that like receiving side of it. I mean, okay. So I have an emotional support animal. <laughs> My dog is certified emotional support. And when I started taking the quiz, I was like, oh my God, yes, I suffer from this and this and this and this. I think people just need to recognize, I don't think the statistics are right. I would say 100% of people are experiencing some sort of mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Again, if you have parents, if you went to high school, you know, it's... (laughs) I think we're all on a journey and I I love that the idea that it's a hundred percent because there's and there's nothing wrong with it being a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent because we're all living in the world. It's a hundred percent because we all have been on dates or we all want to be loved or we all, you know, have that journey. And I think recognizing that it is a hundred percent and there's nothing wrong with it being a hundred percent is, I think, really, really powerful to help destigmatize. So let's flip the roles in Julie's question, which is, um, what if you are someone suffering from mental health issues and you're dating someone, Mm -hmm. how should you approach this partnership? I think it comes back down to your point around communication, whether you have a diagnosable issue or whether you're someone who this is a late night owl, right? Or you're someone who um, needs your alone time or it's any part of your persona that could influence and impact somebody else, whether it's diagnosable or not. It's great to have the conversation thoughtfully and at the appropriate time. And so I think about that a lot in terms of even my friendships and being able to say, hey, this is something that I, I'm having a tough time right now. This is something that I need from friends. Mm-hmm. I think we oftentimes don't have that conversation and we jump straight to they're a bad friend because they didn't do this for us. Right. Yes. Right. And so I don't think you need to have a diagnosable mental health issue to, to rely on the importance of communication. Yeah. And if you happen to have a diagnosable issue or if you happen to have tendencies around anxiety or depression, then it's just one more reason to have that conversation. Yeah. But it's yeah. nothing unique that you wouldn't want to have in any other relationship that you're part of. I think sometimes people don't want to be a burden 
I think that's yeah. what comes up a lot. Yeah. So how, what would you say to people? That's a thought. Like, I don't want to bring it up to them because I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. I don't want them to have this, to deal with this and all that. I will say as someone who is Asian as well, this idea of burdening your friends. And I have this idea of like a good, the, the good friend shouldn't ask for these things. That's my story in my head. So, mm. um, and there's a lot of, I think in the Asian community, it's about what can you do for other people? What is your duty to other people? Mm. Never being, you know, demanding or asking what people can do for you. And I think one of my biggest fears for a long time was coming across as selfish, mm. and coming across as demanding. So I would over-index and not ask, not yes. state those things. Yeah. I think one of my good friends I said, did that too, not as oh. an Asian. <laughs> it's a Jewish guilt. Yeah. Like Asian guilt and Jewish guilt are the same. Same, same. <laughs> I, I just saw crazy rich Asians. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not rich, but the other two I can check out. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it twice. We've seen it twice. We know. Um, but, you know, a, friend, a good, really good friend of mine said to me recently, she goes, you will never come across as demanding or selfish and because you're so far removed from that. And right. I think when you are someone who's afraid of coming across yes. that way, yeah. then you're probably not likely to right. come across that yeah, way. Yeah, that is a really good you're point. Because you're overcompensating. You're yeah. overcompensating. And I think um, a lot of times, like, being on the receiving side, you do want that person to come to you. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, a bond that feels closer if someone is telling you about their personal struggles and mm-hmm. all of that. And a lot of times you're not a burden. You're actually, like, they want to be there for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's about, you know, it's two things. It's about being able to ask for others what you need, but it's also recognizing that you can also self-soothe. Yep. And there's this concept around mindful self-compassion and how do you help soothe yourself and how do you think about self-care and all of those things. And so I think being more thoughtful about your own mental health allows you to take more agency in your own life. Mm-hmm. And also, once you're doing that, then asking, also asking for help from other people doesn't feel as hard because you're realizing I'm taking the steps I need to take for myself. Right. And one of those steps is to ask for help from others. Well, I think that's a great way to talk about some solutions for people or some tools. If someone is experiencing mental health issues or they feel like they may be, okay, let's just not self-diagnose. Say therapy is not an option right now. What are some other ways people can work on their mental health? I think there's so many great apps and um, resources online that you can use to be able to get more information and help build skills. So just like mental health is a spectrum, the care options are a spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and on some hand, on one hand, there's lots of great free apps that are out there like Calm yep. mm-hmm. or Headspace or Simple Practice that allow you to, to be able to start to work and create space for yourself to be able to build more awareness in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that can often lead to realizing, oh, I would like to talk to someone else about this issue. Mm-hmm. And then therapy can be a great resource. Yep. In our, we have a survey that you take when you come to reflect. And we don't talk about diagnosis. We ask, you know, what are, what are the things things you're, you're stressed about because you recognize that you could benefit from therapy even before there's a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if the other end of the spectrum, if it's something that's very urgent, we always say that if it's a life-threatening issue, you should go to the emergency room or talk to a professional. You know, that spectrum is so, so wide yep. and it's so nuanced. Um, so it's about understanding what works for you. Um, and even within therapy, there are different types of therapy and there are different types of therapists. And so there is not a one size fits all for yeah. every person. Let's hold that thought for a second. We'll get right back to it. 
This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the High Love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC. THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P.com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use a code DATABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use a code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. This episode is made possible by Armoire. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic, personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out. Listen, I live in Southern California. There is absolutely no need for puffer coats or any sort of those winter jackets. But when I travel anywhere else in the world in these cold months, I'm often burdened with the task of getting winter clothes. And now with Armoire, I can just rent my winter wardrobe. It's brilliant. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash datable. That is armoire.style, spelled A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I started actually on BetterHelp, which mm-hmm. was the online one. Yeah. And I found that just, it was easier, right? Like you could literally get started by clicking a button and mm-hmm. they match you with someone and you don't leave your house and you just chat online. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Like 
intro to therapy for me because I feel like therapy felt very daunting. Yeah. Like I was like, how do I find someone? What do I do? Like, I don't know if I want to like talk to someone and sit in the couch and all this stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of like my intro. And then I did that for probably like six months or so. And then I was like, I feel like I've kind of got the most I can out of this. I think I'd like to be able to talk through things with a therapist, like actually meet. And that's actually how I found Reflect. Mm. So I feel like the better help was kind of like a segue to get to like actual talk therapy. I think for me was talking to Julie was a great <laughs> yeah. introduction. Talking to other people who've gone through the process is so much better than reading about it online. Because oh, yeah. then, totally. then I can hear like how Julie benefited from it for herself and yep. how someone else benefited from it from themselves. Yeah. I've also done a lot of quizzes online. Assessor you. Self-assessing is so interesting in general, yeah. right? Then I know what my triggers are. I know what my schemas are. Yep. Just getting to know yourself better through these resources is, is a great way too. So this conversation obviously was triggered by all the recent suicide. So I guess just to not to end on a bad note, but I want to talk a little further about suicide and kind of when you get to that point and what you can do for help there too. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a place where I, I think when we do feel alone and suicide oftentimes is such a long journey to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to, to realize that there are so many options along the way. Obviously, the National Suicide Hotline is yep. huge. Um, and there are resources online for folks who are feeling like they're immediately looking for that as a last resort. But it's really, I think, important to think about what happens before. And and I think suicides become something where it draws national attention. It's a like a topic that we all recognize is really severe. Yes. But just like with physical health, a heart attack can be something that is we can deal with and and work on way before that happens. Right. It's similarly with with suicide, it's hard to talk about it from the point of view of the person who's in that situation. I think if you're in that situation, it's important to remember that you do have other people around you and taking the time to pause and and, and when the disease isn't taking over and you can see more optionality, right? When someone um, ends up killing themselves, oftentimes there there are loved ones that always come up and say, I wish I had known I would have been there for that person. Totally. The problem is when you're feeling bad, the optionality and the, the activation energy required to call somebody else and ask for the help mm-hmm. is so great. Yeah. So I think what I always advise is for all of us to be a little more vulnerable in our conversations with yep. those that we care about. Yeah. To always say, you know, I when I was feeling bad, I remember friends would say to me, you know, if it's three in the morning, you're, something bad's happening. I'm always here for you. I know that. Yeah. But Oftentimes, when you feel alone, it's not that point. I never got to that point. Yeah, it's all the points up leading up to that. Point. Absolutely. And so, the only thing, the the one thing that we can do is to say to other people, "We are there for you. Yep. We are a resource." Checking in with friends, even you know, I had a good friend of mine who went through a tough time, and for a long time, I would just text him randomly and say, "Just thinking about you. Mm-hmm. Hope, hope all is." You know, hope you're doing okay. And that can mean so much. so much. I know, yeah. like, when I was going through a period, like, just getting stuff like that was really made a huge difference. Yeah. And it really, and you don't need anything in return. No. The person may not even text you back. But I think oftentimes my friends say, well, I, don't, I know you're really busy, so I don't want to be a burden for you. That's why I'm not texting you. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the fear of being a burden leads to this further feeling of isolation. Yes. That then can make someone feel like there's no other, there's no one there that cares for them. And so I think when you are the loved ones and, and before it gets to that situation, 
situation, if we can all just try to practice to be able to be more vulnerable and talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the greatest gifts of founding Reflect is having these really great, honest conversations and these sometimes awkward and tough conversations with my friends who said to me, you know, I never tell anyone this, but I had a really tough time. And I think knowing that it, you're not alone in that feeling mm-hmm. actually is really empowering. That is actually one major solution to not feeling lonely mm-hmm. is actually um, realizing that other people are there for you. Like you're saying, it's not just the act of suicide because that's what gets the media attention. Right. But it's a series of events and situations that lead up to that. That's what's most important. That's where people need help. And I think one of the things we do in the society is that we were saying we push through things, we avoid, we cope. Mm -hmm. But now think about, imagine a world where you don't need to cope with it anymore. You have tools to help you uh, to get through them when Mm -hmm. you have tools to help you get better. It's like, Imagine if you went through your life with poor eyesight and you had no idea. You've just been seeing the world in a very fuzzy way. And one day someone gives you glasses and you're like, holy shit, I could have been seeing the world <laughs> yeah. like this my yeah. whole life. I had no idea. Of course, you were still a functional, functioning human being. It's not like life or death in that situation. But imagine if you could just see the world in a much clearer way. So this is a great segue. Let's do some takeaways, takeaways of this whole conversation. This has been phenomenal. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for being here. Yeah. Where should we start? I don't even know where to start. I think for me, probably this whole like, concept of the spectrum of mental health, I think is really, really eye-opening. Because like, I think some of it you think of like, I think that uh, definition you mentioned, like removing mental illness, depression, PSTD, bipolar disorder, like all this stuff. And it's like, yes, that is definitely some of it. Uh, but I like this notion of a spectrum like you can be there at some points everybody experiences some sort of mental health issues yeah so it's not just about getting diagnosed with some kind of disease or illness it's it's how you're feeling and only you know how you're feeling it's okay to recognize that I think like the biggest takeaway for me is to normalize mental health it's not mental illness it is mental health it's all about going to the gym to exercise your mental health so that you're able to live life in a much stronger resilient way right mm-hmm. and and just like we were saying just like you go to the gym for your body why wouldn't you do something for your mental health as well i think some of my other takeaway is just like how like i think a lot of times people don't associate mental health and dating Mm-hmm. And like we were talking about mm-hmm. it so much like the apps are what's wrong. My city's what's wrong. Yeah. All this stuff. So I think at least for me, I probably had the most success time dating is when I actually took that break to assess what was going on mentally and get to a place that I felt happier. Mm-hmm. So I think that so much of it is related to mental health. And then on the flip side, if you are fatigued by dating because of You know, you think like the people you're matching with on apps have these glorious, wonderful lives and they're dating all these other fabulous people and they're ignoring you. Think about that, that everyone's going through some sort of mental health journey. So you don't know what someone's going through. You can't make any of these assumptions. Yeah, I think that's the other huge takeaway is like you are just yourself. Like you cannot just project what you're feeling onto someone else. Yeah. 
And I think like if people are struggling with mental health, like just being open and communicative, like it will go a lot both a long way with both partners with the person facing it. They will feel better if they let someone in. Most people will get the most enjoyment out of relationships. That's why so many of us are depressed about it or have anxiety about it is because the end of the day, relationships are what makes most of us the happiest. Yeah. And I think um, the aspect of if you're facing something, sharing that. And then if you're the person of the loved one, being able to be there for someone and kind of understand what's going on instead of spiraling out of control of your own thoughts Mm -hmm. is the best way to handle anything. Yeah. Communication is so important. And also realizing when you do need space because Mm -hmm. if you are being frustrated if you're feeling frustrated with dating it's also okay to take a pause yeah Mm -hmm. and work on yourself for a little bit and then go back into dating with with fresh set of eyes and fresh mentality because just like you if you're somebody's tired of running you got you're training for a marathon you got to take some days off and not run yes and because you're tired yeah Yeah. if you're like dating and you're depressed that you're single still and you're depressed that no one calls you back and all this stuff and it's like ruining the other aspects of your life mm-hmm. or you're feeling anxiety about that text message like dating's supposed to be fun yeah and mm. it's going to like spill over onto those dates too if you're depressed and anxious yeah. about dating yeah dating is never the solution for your mental health people kind of feel like oh once i get in a relationship i'll be i'll be oh, much yeah. happier dating and is not the solution to loneliness it no. dating really is not isn't. the solution i to know a lot of people who are in relationships and are so lonely mm-hmm. right. so it's not a solution at all. Yeah. So I think it's good to talk about this. And, you know, even if therapy is not an option for you right now, just opening up this conversation with your family and your friends is a great first step. Just talking out loud is a great first step. Start journaling, you know, get to know yourself better. And I like that Jonathan said, sometimes you feel these things bother you and sometimes they don't. So on the days when these things don't bother you, that's when you should start journaling why it doesn't bother you on those days. What are you doing differently? Mm -hmm. And so next time you feel them again, you know how to deal with it. It's a great great point. And for anyone that is interested in um, therapy, I highly recommend Reflect. Well, how does Reflect work? You basically just take a quiz and then Reflect matches you. you. I love quizzes. And then Reflect (laughs) matches you. We're free. So I think like it's a really great way to like easily connect with someone and not have to like be like where do I even start how do I find this person Mm -hmm. yeah so for me when I was going through the process what was really hard was just knowing what I needed Mm -hmm. and knowing who would be right for me yeah I call and some people wouldn't call me therapists wouldn't call me back and so it was a very hard process and so we've made that process really easy um, through a data-driven matching process Mm. and like Julie said you take a short quiz and we actually match you to a few therapists one, two, or three. Um, and you have the option of doing a video or phone-based con- mm, okay. consultation with them now. Um, and what's great is it kind of, it, we help meet you where you're at. If you're busy mm-hmm. and it's easier to do a phone conversation. Um, but the key is that we use over 150 variables to match someone with the right therapist. It's like um, dating. It's like dating. <laughs> it's an algorithm. And it really is actually the, the number one predictor of success in therapy. So it's called therapeutic alliance or uh. FIT. Mm. Um, and so we actually collect data on our therapists and we collect data on the clients through the survey. And so we match you with using data that even the therapist doesn't have on themselves. Interesting. Um, and 90% of those who go through our process find a therapist that they like. Yeah. I think like for me, when I did it, like all of them were great. But one of them definitely felt like very spiritual. The one I ended up going to, I loved, 
uh, she was like more practical. Mm -hmm. So I think some of it wasn't like one was bad or good. It was just like, what's the right fit for you? Well, yeah. Even when we had Dr. Rachel on the show, a therapist herself, she says she has a few therapists for herself. She has one that's more spiritual, one's more practical. And she... And sometimes you might just need more than one therapist for depending on what mood you're in. Yeah, right. Or depending on where you are and like what stage you're going through. And that's what's great is we have clients who stay in therapy um, for a while and they decide, hey, this is a great fit, but I want to try out something different. Yeah. And so the ability to, so once you find a great fit, we help with the scheduling and billing and provide tools to make the whole process really easy Mm -hmm. um, and allow you to get the most out of the therapy experience. Yeah. But one of that, one of those things is also if you feel like you'd like to be rematched or if you, after some time, want to take a pause and try something else, yeah. knowing that Reflect is there and you're not having to do it all over again exactly. on your own yeah. is Huge. really great. Totally. Another obstacle people have when it comes to therapy is the price. Mm-hmm. Yes. People think therapy is very pricey. So how does Reflect handle that? Yeah, I, I, I think about that a lot. And for me, if it's something that we should all do, we shouldn't wait till it's really bad. Many times because therapy is so expensive and so hard to find, we end up pushing it off. And, and as we start, when I started Reflect, I really felt like I wanted to create something different. And so we've partnered with um, hundreds of therapists in the Bay Area. So we're the largest self-paid network of therapists in the Bay Area. Um, and every, all our sessions are $95 per session. That's pretty good because typically, what is it, like 150 to 250 to 250 Yeah. To um, and I think because, and, and for us, it's it's really great that we have phenomenal therapists on our platform that are masters and doctorate level top of their field, but they also believe that it's important for people not to wait till it's really bad. Even with that $95, we can help with um, out-of-network insurance billing. We can help with FSA and HSA billing. So the whole goal is to, you know, working ourselves is something that's already um, such a focus area and it's so sometimes can be hard. We want everything around that to feel as easy as possible. Yeah, with my insurance, it ended up being like 50 a session. Wow, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, that's like going to the gym. That is yeah. like really going, going to the gym. gym. Yeah, it's way oh. cheaper than personal training. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's the thing is like people spend a ton of money on personal training, thinking that's yeah. what's going to lead to results, and it could also. I don't want to say it's not. Yeah, but just as much mentally is there as well. And um, if someone's not in the Bay Area, can they still access care? Yeah, so um, we are only live in the Bay Area right now, um, but if someone's interested in getting care, they can always reach out to us, mm-hmm. um, or they can, um, Psychology Today is another resource online for those outside of the Bay Area. Got um, it, okay. But yeah, if you're in the Bay Area, if you're outside the Bay Area and still have questions, we'd love to be a resource regardless, because, you know, we have great therapists and great clients who are looking for therapy from all over the country that are reaching out to us now. And so um, I think it's a problem that extends well beyond the Bay Area. <laughs> um, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, Mental thank- health is yeah. definitely having a moment like it essentially. is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. This has been a great conversation. Of course. And we've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time. It's not just so much like it shouldn't be reactive. Mental health should never be reactive. Oh, I'm feeling so bad. I'm feeling so lonely. I'm feeling de- so depressed. It should be preventative care. And I think we should all take that and and, and uh, make it a priority in, in our lives. And I think what Jonathan mentioned, though, if it is to a point that it's a medical emergency, like always use the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, mm-hmm. which is 800-273-8255. Right. Yes. And, if, and for those who want to look for a therapist, you can find Reflect at joinreflect.com. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And you are single, so <laughs> we'll pimp you out. Right now. Oh, too. If anybody wants to meet Jonathan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Two for one. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, let's wrap this up. We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a topic you want to share on our show, we would 
love to have you as a guest on our show. You can always be anonymous. We can change your name. So there you go. There's really no reason not to come on our show. Check out our website, datablepodcast.com. Thank you so much again, Jonathan, and stay stay datable. Your action item for this week is to make mental health a priority. So in addition to possibly seeking therapy, there are other ways to also exercise your mental health, just like we exercise our bodies. Is it getting out and walking around, exploring nature? Is it taking up a new hobby? Is it exploring your artistic and creative sides? Make mental health a priority. You deserve it. This episode of Datable is brought to you by 500 Brunches. 500 Brunches connects like-minded people with similar interests to meet in real life over brunch. You answer a quick questionnaire about your interests and how you spend your time, and then they'll match you in small groups of six to eight at a brunch spot in San Francisco. Get a free entry into a brunch now by signing up at 500brunches.com and using the code DATEABLE. If you didn't know already, we have a revamped website with articles, videos, and content all about modern dating. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We've had some great feedback about how actionable these episodes are. So check them out on our website or iTunes Music. Also, visit the site today to see the latest about coaching where we connect you with datable approved experts to help with everything from dating profile reviews, coaching, and even gathering real feedback about your dating style in a personalized and affordable way. To connect with us, visit datablepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Datable Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and auto-download the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode.